Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today on the podcast, we got some what we've been watching today. We're also going to cover an email or two and then move on into an in-depth review. This week, we'll be reviewing The Old Guard, which is the new Netflix movie starring Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane. Really looking forward to talking about this movie, which has gotten Mm -hmm. a lot of great buzz on the internet. Uh, That's our show for today. But before we get to that, yeah, let's talk about some emails. Uh, All right, let's start with this. Uh, We got got emails from the last couple weeks. Uh, This email comes in from Eric from West Virginia, writing into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This is a follow-up email to our conversation a few weeks ago about the King of Staten Island. And the subject line of this email is in defense of Pete Davidson. And here is Eric's email. He writes, quote, Hi, Slash Filmcast, longtime listener. Hell, back when you guys were talking about the potential script for a Battleship movie. Also a fan of Totally Rad Show, so I couldn't be happier with how the show has stayed with me these years. I wanted to explain why I personally really connected with Pete Davidson and his movie, and it all has to do with three little letters, BPD. As someone who was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder only three years ago, I can't explain how massive it is to see someone like me who shared his story. It's a complicated disease, but the easiest I can say is we aren't people in control and have massive abandonment issues. It's not something we can logic through, and worse, Many people with this disease suffer from self-loathing and suicidal attempts. What makes the movie and Pete work is that he's upfront about the experience immediately in an honest way. He's in a relationship but doesn't feel he deserves love. He jokes about the most traumatic event of his life constantly and is unable to grow from his own demons. Pete, to me, feels like one of the rare people honest publicly about his mental illness. And to me and many others like me, it's inspiring to see that story told honestly. Hope you guys remain safe and strong. Much love. Eric from West Virginia. End quote. Uh, thanks for that email, Eric. And yeah, that was a movie that I think Jeff and I weren't uh, huge fans of, and I think Devendra liked it a little bit more than us. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I do think, yeah, even for a movie where uh, I'm not a, a big fan of the movie itself, I can still recognize that, like, uh, Pete Davidson as an like a, a persona, as an online person, um, as a public person, as a celebrity, uh, there is a lot of bravery in the way he shares. Uh, the challenges he's had with mental health. And uh, I, I can acknowledge that uh, at the same time that even, you know, even as I'm not a huge fan yeah. of the film itself. I and, wish and that also was rec- in the movie. I wish the movie had sort of explored and grappled with some of that stuff too. I mean, you, you could argue that the to. movie itself, you could argue that the movie itself, the whole, the totality of the movie is sure. like his way of doing so, but it I, is yeah. I agree. It doesn't really saying, do it very explicitly. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think uh, he's working through the loss of his dad is, is really the arc of the movie. Um, and trying to wrestle with the ramifications of that and, and becoming an adult in the face of that. So in a sense it is, I think. And I, I find that email actually eloquent and persuasive. I, I think that's um, a, a lovely argument. And I, I wish I liked the mo- movie more, quite frankly. I, I, I root for the guy. You know, yeah, I root exactly. for Pete Davidson. Exactly. I, I think he deserves happiness and love. <laughs> so I, I root for him. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting, too. Just uh, Can you imagine... You know, writing a movie and starring in your own movie about the thing that you're actually struggling with in your life, and like mm-hmm, opening it mm-hmm. up for criticism. I'll say it's much yeah. more bravery than I personally would have. Like I, that is that is not a set of actions I personally would do. 
Um, so I do admire the fact that he did that. You know, like it, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to open yourself up for criticism like that. To sh- sit, like show the world, hey, this is what is going on with me, and like yeah. critique it, enjoy it, you know, do whatever you want with it. Like that just takes a lot of balls in general. And um, so props to Pete Davidson for putting himself out there like that. For and, sure. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's, so, it's, it's sort of a Judd Apatow thing too. You know, he he yeah, takes those yeah, people yeah. and and I think helps them and. Uh, encourages them to put their personal struggles on the screen. You know, I mean, I think, um, um, God, the movie's title of the Kumail's movie. You're, you're, you're thinking Kumail of Trainwreck, you're thinking of 40-Year-Old Virgin, you're thinking of Knocked Up, probably. All, all of those. I was actually thinking of Funny Kumail people. and Emily's movie. Oh, oh right, uh, right, Big right. Sick. Big, Big Sick, sick. right. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, uh, you know, is is very much their life. And I literally uh, named all the movies except the ones you were thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> so, nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. as always. Um, uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I agree that his talent, uh, Judd Apatow's talent in that regard cannot be understated. So anyway, um, uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts. And the movie is the King of Staten Island. We reviewed it a few weeks ago here on the podcast. All right. This email comes in from Andrew writing into slash filmcast gmail.com. Andrew writes in, um, pretty new fan of the show, but I love it so far. As you guys talk about Hamilton this week, got me thinking, I saw it on stage in Chicago last summer and thought it was absolutely spectacular. I came to the conclusion that, in my mind, it was the single greatest artistic creation of the 21st century. Between the stellar acting and singing, the whip-smart lyrics, and the motifs that are proliferated throughout the show, do you agree? If not, what would you guys to be uh, consider to be some of the greatest artistic works of the 21st <laughs> century across all mediums? Film, TV, gaming, music, Broadway, literature, etc. I know it's high praise, but I truly believe Hamilton has earned it. All right, so that email comes from Andrew. I'm not going to ask you guys to like name the best works of the 21st century across all those <laughs> mediums, but I do think it's uh, the the original question of like, do you think Hamilton is one of them? Is I think asking. it is among them certainly. I don't know if it yeah. is the the work, but it is among the, it is in the conversation, and I think it will yeah. do more. It will do it. It already has done more to revitalize and. Um, and grow the musical theater genre. And then, of course, a global ca- pandemic came along and took all that away. But I think it it did more for its its medium that, you know, I think that's one of the, the things that you could say makes it a great work is that it elevates the entire medium in which it was created. Uh, and also, I think it's going to have far reaching ramifications, both in how art is cast how art is created how things are what arts will be created in the future yes it it is certainly among among the greatest works of the 21st century and i'm going to spend the next few minutes while you guys talk trying to think of what else i would put in that category (laughs) i I don't know it's hard to say like across mediums and there's so many mediums we aren't I, I wouldn't. I would not say we are experts in film. You know, even though we host this film podcast, I would say we are film enthusiasts. And so, yes. it, when, you, when you compare that to our expertise in other media, like uh, you know, artwork or modern art or what or novels or whatever, it's even worse. You know, like probably we're not even enthusiastic so, about those. <laughs> we're not. We're not even enthusiasts about those things. We so, don't really know I anything. We do are we? terrible, man. No, we are, we are three morons that. Uh, <laughs> can barely put sentences together and you all listen yes. to us. I don't know what's yeah. wrong with you. Yeah, what does that say about you? That's what you should be thinking about. Um, but no, seriously, uh, the <laughs> uh, so we, we're definitely not people who uh, you should talk to about uh, greatest uh, you know artistic work of, of the 21st century uh, in other media. I'll just say also, 
isn't it a bit early to be naming the best works of the 21st century? Aren't mm. there like the, 80 more years left in this century? Got, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you, we don't know. know. I don't know if you've you looked really out your don't. window lately, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> this, we better um, start counting our chickens now. You know what I'm saying? But, but, <laughs> but yes, I think Hamilton is definitely, I agree with Jeff. Very well said, Jeff. <laughs> Hamilton is among them. I love that it fuses many different media uh, and, and uh, genres together and uh, it's bold and groundbreaking, and so I agree. I, I don't know that it is the greatest. I mean, how do you how do you match up like the greatest musical versus the greatest film or the greatest novel? You know, it just feels like there's no way you can say like one's better than the other. They're so I th- different. I think the right? only way to figure this out is to have a dramatic rap battle where we all <laughs> yes. you know champion our choices. Like that's the only You're way thinking. to think about this. Yeah, no, good call. Good call. I do think Hamilton will. I think it will compare favorably to the uh, the great cave water painting of uh, <laughs> of twenty forty seven. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, good call, Jeff. Good call. Yeah. The true, true. <laughs> both yeah. tr- both tribes of humans will appreciate that water painting. Sure, sure, they'll all appreciate it. And the scarcity of water makes it an audacious work in and of itself. But I think I think ultimately uh, Hamilton will will still seem more impressive. You know, I was browsing my Netflix recently um, after watching The Old Guard, which is our review this week, and I I watched the openings of a couple films that I'd already seen before. Um, Salt being one of them. Uh, I, I was kind of looking for another uh, kick-ass action movie that had a, a female lead. Uh, and that movie, I still really, really love. Matt, um, we needed a salt sequel. We needed a saltier, yes. more salt, please. Something more salt, please. Uh, saltier, you know, salt too saltier. Mm. Um, but uh, also, I watched the first, uh, the opening sequence of Cloud Atlas, which I think is very. You were just yeah. talking about the true, true Devendra, yeah, yeah, and uh, really bold opening, and also uh, a, a beautiful score that I still listen to uh, pretty regularly. So I, I have a hard time loving that movie because of how much I loved that book and Mm. the movie will never in my mind. It just wasn't right. right. It kind of makes me sad that I can't appreciate that movie because I think that movie is pretty impressive, but the book is so incredible. And I came, I had just read the book when I saw the movie and I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It will never in my mind be good experience. Like I came, I fell off the book maybe a quarter of the way through but wow. the movie, I feel like, distilled a lot of what I wanted from that story. So, mm. yeah, the opposite, oh, well, basically. Interesting. Uh, well, anyway, uh, just some random musings. The movies we just discussed were Salt, Cloud Atlas, uh, and Hamilton, uh, which is on Disney+. Plus. We talked about it last week on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, a few other thoughts before we get to some what we've been watching. Um, I'd like to do a check-in each week. Well, actually, actually, before we do the check-in, I, I just want to mention also that uh, this is the first weekend in many months where it felt like there were a lot of good movies to choose from. Oh you yeah, know, in yeah. In, the, in terms of there was no movie theaters to go to for most of us, um, but there was. Uh, I'm thinking of Palm Springs hit Hulu, The Old Guard hit Netflix. Uh, you could, I think, rent Relic, the new horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a movie named Greyhound that hit Apple TV Plus. And First Cow hit Video On Demand. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's like five movies that are overall pretty well-reviewed uh, that you can just access. You can rent or buy most of those. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, hey, it's like, it felt like a normal 
weekend from a movie perspective. I will uh, say this is of- the first weekend where I genuinely miss just being able to go to a theater and seeing some of these. Like, I wish I could have seen The Old Guard with a crowd and like with other people, man. Yeah. You know what I was yeah, thinking but- this week, actually? This may be an obvious thing to say, but it it wasn't something that I'd really reflected on and put it... <laughs> solidifying it in my mind hit me like a ton of bricks. And that is I had a job when I turned 16, it wasn't my first job, but it was my first like go to a place job. I was writing for the newspaper. It was my first job, but my, my first go to a place job was the movie theater. So I at 16 was seeing movies constantly constantly I, I got in for free i worked at the movie theater <clears throat> then i went to college and i you know became really good friends with uh, film studies guys i was a theater student we would go to movies almost every weekend right then after college there was a, a, a period of time when i was in la still going to movies a lot but I very quickly started a totally rad show and we started reviewing movies. And so I was reviewing movies and have been reviewing movies constantly since until today. And so I really realized that this is the longest I've ever gone. Not going into a movie theater Mm -hmm. since I was about 16 years old, man. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, Jeff, did you always live across the street from a movie theater? Always. That's the only <laughs> only way I'll live in a place is if... It, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it's Jeff, my I'll one just say criteria. the way you phrased that also is pretty ominous. You're like, I've been going to movies every week <laughs> until today. I'm like, are you making an announcement right now, Jeff? Well, um, no, I mean, it's, it, I, I, we, I haven't gone to the movies, to a movie theater since February, yeah. right? Yeah. And that... I mean, there were probably maybe a month here and there, especially in college, you know, mm-hmm. or after, right after college, and I was scraping by and trying to work at places. And I wouldn't go to a movie every week like I do now or did now. Uh, but I have gone to a movie every pretty much every week. I guess my eye surgery was a, a big chunk in there where I couldn't go to the movies. But this is the longest stretch it's gone since I've been inside a movie theater for decades decades plural decades man yeah i I honestly i feel like i didn't work at a movie theater but i feel like i'm right there with you jeff just in terms of actually going to the theater you know every couple weeks or something yeah Yeah. it's a weird thing to contemplate right it's like it's weird it just is like this thing that's been part of your life is just now it's gone you know and it's like and who knows if it's coming back right or when it's coming back yeah if if is a legitimate question to ask if it's coming back yeah how so you know, that leads us to you know the next part uh, where I weekly try to check in with the the dudes, see how they're doing, you know, <laughs> see how everything's going. How is your life changing? I have some stuff I want to talk about, but Jeff, how uh, other than missing going to movie theater and this terrible realization about the fact that you haven't been in a long time, how is everything going? Anything new in in LA these days? No, not really. We're you know the uh, cases keep going up and things keep getting worse and stuff keeps reopening and I, I it just. It has felt more bleak this last week than than even it has because the graphs keep going up and there doesn't seem to be any any light at the end of this tunnel. It just seems to be more tunnel and and it feels like everybody's just abandoned any 
actual measures. Yeah. <laughs> you Until know? we have a functioning government, yeah, there's yeah. not much we can do, unfortunately. Again, if is a legitimate question to ask <laughs> in, that, in that category as well. But, I, you know, I, it's, it's hard not to feel uh, this ongoing sense of malaise and monotony um it just it, it just doesn't seem like you, you i read the news and i see stuff like new zealand is effectively covid free and they're opening up and everybody responds when i say things like that like well it's much easier with a, com- a country with that population yeah, it's yeah. like okay all right maybe but <laughs> it certainly doesn't need to have spiked like a new hit new highs and break new records every single day like there's there's not zero lessons to be learned from that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. no, there are far from zero lessons, and I, I would say you need new followers on Twitter. Is my guess, you know, based on what you <laughs> yeah. just said. I mean, the the uh, European Union is a uh, group of countries roughly the same population as the United States. Compare their graph with our graph in terms of new cases. Well, and also, you will see it is staggering. Also, the fact that South Korea had fewer total cases in the entire lifespan of covid uh, to date than florida had in one day yeah and sure. the yeah, population yeah. of south korea is like four <laughs> times that of florida <laughs> right i mean so, and there's countries that are like you know hong kong yeah. is shutting down schools because of a new spike of 40 50 cases and it's yeah. like maybe we're uh, the problem guys we maybe. had i mean we had uh <laughs> what we're at over 60 70 000 cases a day in the united states right now you know yeah. so um, yeah, and it's it's upsetting, and and uh, the thing that I you know we talk about this relatively frequently, but the thing that continues to surprise me is how dumb it is. You know, like it's also stupid. Yes. I think that's the <laughs> most the, the most hardest thing to process right now is that yeah. it's just dumb. We're all there are people that believe it is a hoax, right? And there are people still. that believe COVID is a hoax still to this day. They think if you have if you publish a story about there's a story about this guy who went to a COVID party, right? Which is this party, I guess, mm-hmm. where they you you try to infect each other to see if it's true or not. And by the way, like and when those stories first hit, we a lot of people said, we don't know if these parties are actually happening. It just seemed like a weird, stupid thing that went viral. But this is one thing where, oh, this actually happened. This guy's dead. Yeah, so this is the New York Times, July 12th, uh, headline, man 30 dies after attending a COVID party, Texas hospital says. 30-year-old man who believed the coronavirus was a hoax and attended a COVID party, died after being infected with a virus. The man had attended a gathering with an infected person to test whether the coronavirus was real, uh, yeah. said Dr. Jane Appleby, chief medical officer at Methodist Hospital in San Antonio, where the man died. You know uh, what, though? So, he died doing what he loved, being incredibly <laughs> stupid. Corona- being yeah, incredibly I guess, stupid. I mean, I mean, uh, it's uh, we should not celebrate the death of anyone, but I think no, that the fact that— um, I wasn't. <laughs> It's it's uh, the the thing with conspiracy theories is that once you believe in one, any evidence to the contrary simply reinforces right, the right. conspiracy theory. It, it sort of right? short circuits our reasoning process. Yeah, is yeah, a weird thing, and right. this is all coming from the top and people who are their political leaders and everything super politicized right now. So it's hard to get any like actual information out to people. That is why it's all so terrifying and so dumb, man. Man, I hope yeah, we survive uh, this. It's just, it's just, it'd be one thing if we were all dealing with this together in lockstep and kind of like, hey, everyone needs to wear masks and uh, COVID is a real thing. That's all all you need need to do. Just, just wear the mask. You don't need to (laughs) like, you don't need to give up all your rubber. Like we had to in World War II. We don't need to sacrifice much other than <laughs> there's social There's no gatherings. mandatory draft. You know, there's yeah. no rations right now. It's just like, 
wear a mask. And I mean, what really, if the government just paid everyone to stay home for a month, this thing would be over. But sure. it's it's not going to happen, unfortunately, due to the political situation right now. And it's uh, it's very unfortunate and it's maddening. Um, Devendra, anything new with you? You're settling in, uh, settling in in Georgia right now, which yeah. feels a little bit like out of the frying pan into the fire, given I mean, the listen, fact that so New York has kind of stabilized at this point. New York has celebrated yesterday was the first day where they didn't have any COVID deaths. And yeah. that is a small win, but it's certainly a win. I'm happy for New York. I mean, Georgia is... The thing is, like, the amount, the numbers will certainly never be as high as things were in New York. And I think my main thing is right now we have... We just have our own space. So we can lock ourselves down again this week we basically took ourselves out of quarantine because it's you know once we flew through several airports and left new york we didn't want to like potentially hurt anybody so we've been pretty much locked down here for the past two weeks um we are a little more open now but still you know only going outside without uh with masks being very careful about where we go how crowded things are Uh, one thing we were able to do is because my parents are also being very very careful themselves. Um, we're, you know, we're doing the shared bubble thing where it's like, okay, well, you guys are safe. We're safe. We have a pact of sorts. Uh, so they were able to come and actually hang out and see Sophia and stay with us for a little while. So, and we can go there to where they are, which is roughly an hour away from us here. So we have that sort of like contact that we couldn't have before in New York very easily. Um, as long as everybody stays safe, right? If anything happens, if somebody becomes uh, gets in contact with somebody who's positive, then this all starts over and we have to stay apart again. So we had one nice thing, at least. Jeff, my recommendation to you, um, which I'm seeing a lot of people do, see if you can try to manage just some sort of like road trip or just yeah. a drive. Just get out, maybe a place where you can actually stay or just camp or something. Like I've seen a lot of people... Uh, are posting Twitter threads about their cross country road trips and things like that. You could do that pretty safely. Um, And even like hotels aren't that bad, assuming you can find a place that's clean and you can wipe it down and stuff yourselves. But I know RVs are very big. Go for a drive, leave your, you know, leave your zone, leave the bubble where you're stuck in. Because the thing that was really hard in New York is that we, you know, we didn't have a car. It was really hard to even rent a car. And I was thinking of buying one, but then we we're also like, maybe we should just move. So I kind of saved the money for that. But in New York, we basically didn't leave a one square mile area, you know, for three months. And mm-hmm. that was very, very difficult. But being yeah, hard. at least out here and having a car and having, you know, safe zones you could go to a big park where there aren't many people and have some fun times you can go to the beach where there aren't people and still like have some time outside like you can still break out of where you are we're not as trapped as we were in new york and i'm happy about that at least yeah we we went to the the beach this weekend and and my my birthday is actually in two weeks and uh, my wife's been talking about maybe like getting an Airbnb and just taking the whole family someplace that yeah yeah we could just get out of town just for a couple of days and uh be in a different place and just be ourselves, you know, be with ourselves, try to find some kind of isolated something mm-hmm. and just relax. Some yeah. sort of lake house or something. It'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I have uh, some more thoughts about this, but let's take a quick break and thank a sponsor and we'll be right back. It's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Lightstream. If you're carrying any credit card debt right now, you got to get out from under it. You got to get out from under it. I try to pay off my credit cards every single month. But if you have credit card debt, a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream 
can help you mark them paid in full. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that is exactly what they deliver. You can roll balances from multiple credit cards into one single monthly loan payment and get a low fixed interest rate, free up more of your money in your monthly budget. Say goodbye to your credit card bills and take even more control of your money with Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans. They have rates from just 5.95% APR with auto pay and there are absolutely no fees, which is huge, 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 huge. Just for listeners to the Slash Filmcast, apply now and get an additional rate discount to save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash filmcast. That's lightstream.com slash the word filmcast for an additional discount. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes a 0.50 auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply. And offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash filmcast for more information. All right. So uh, I uh, wanted to ask you guys, Jeff, you had mentioned a couple weeks ago that you tried to expand your germ circle with someone. Yeah, we have a, right. a couple of friends that also have kids. And so, yeah, we decided to uh, welcome them into our germ circle. It's a bit like, you know, deciding to have sex with someone or something, you know, you're, you're having sex with everyone they had a, have had sex with in their lives. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's and, it's more like uh, the deciding to have sex in the um, what you call it, in the demolition man universe, where you have to give the <laughs> approval and everything. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, that's our yeah, that's our universe now. Too. This is something that uh, I I'm seriously we're seriously like considering slash working on over here because so far it's been pretty bearable uh, in terms of socially, right? Because uh, it's summer in Seattle right now. We can go out and visit people. And uh, like, kind of hang out in their front yard or their backyard and be outside, and it's not really a danger. But once uh, fall and winter comes and it's very disgusting and rainy outside, then basically the only way you can hang out with people is in indoors, right, right? Right. And so the question is, are you going to? Um, you 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 basically have two options. You can either expand your germ circle uh, or expand your family unit. Or uh, not see people for six to nine months, right? And just be, be isolated for six to nine months. Um, so we're looking into expanding the germ circle. And I, I, have some, I have some ideas and some tips. And I want to run them by you guys and see if, like, uh, you agree or if, you, if there's other things that you think I haven't considered. You know, but I, I would say that if you're thinking of expanding your circle into, like, a pod of people, like a pod of people who you're all like. I mean, the, the most important thing is that everyone is at roughly the same level of carefulness. It's kind of like, you know, you're talking about having sex with people, Jeff. It's it's more like, in my opinion, doing a YouTube or a podcast collaboration with someone. Because <laughs> basically, you want well, to... Well, you don't know how I have sex, Dave. <laughs> it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of talking. I, that's correct. I don't. And I, let's keep it that way. But I think that uh, something they tell you when you're doing a YouTube collaboration is in, when you're making YouTube videos, you want to be making YouTube videos uh, or collaborations with somebody who is roughly the same level of popularity as you, right? <laughs> It doesn't make any Who sense. Who makes these rules? It the... doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm just talking about best practices, man. Okay, don't, don't shoot the messenger, Jeff. Okay, uh, I've been doing but YouTube videos all wrong this whole time. You want to make podcasts or YouTube videos with people who are roughly the same popularity because it doesn't make sense for like a person with one million followers to collaborate with someone who has thirty followers, right? That doesn't. It's great for it, the thirty it, follower person. 
yeah, it's super great for them, but it's not great for the person with a million followers. So same thing. You want to be like roughly the same level of carefulness, a.k.a. YouTube notoriety as anyone sure, who you're sure, in a social sure. pod with. Um, Dave, Dave and, I feel like you shouldn't explain this whole process because otherwise uh, Jeff and the entire TRS crew would have never come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, actually, I, I know we're not even talking about this. This is <laughs> ancillary to the point you're trying to make, but I think that is completely wrong. <laughs> I, 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 at least for this show. We've definitely, for any show, I think the whole goal yeah. if you're doing a podcast is you want to get someone who has more notoriety than you to be the guest so that your podcast expands that's the whole idea of having guests is to get is to expand your audience right all right well you know what i think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to table that conversation for a later day uh but anyway i i guess i guess i you disagree with youtube creator academy then jeff um <laughs> so creator academy is a thing i didn't even know that was a thing so uh, how can I, I've been doing YouTube videos this whole time without a degree from the YouTube Creator Academy? <laughs> it's true. You're, I'm you've a been fraud. Sort of I'm you're, a complete <laughs> fraud. Uh, you you never oh. got your GED in YouTube, Jeff, and that is to your eternal shame. So uh, step one. Make sure you're of roughly the same uh, carefulness as the other people in, in your social pod. Uh, and then step two, I think everyone needs to kind of have certain ground rules of like what you are comfortable with when you're hanging out with each other. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. are you going to have masks or not have masks when you're indoors? Um, do you wipe down your groceries? And most importantly, when do you take an action that is going to be risky, right? Like, uh, hey, I went out and uh, went to a protest today or I went to uh, the grocery store or whatever. Like, everyone just needs to know. And of course, right. everyone needs to be notified if you are sick, right? If you start feeling symptoms. Like, you need to have, like, yeah. some kind of phone chain or email thing to be like, hey, F ping, like, t you know, text message, like, FYI. Um, I'm not feeling well, you, and you need to like be really upfront about that. Otherwise, you're the guy in the post-apocalyptic zombie movie, zombie movie that's hiding your bite. You know what I mean? You don't want to be that person. Um, you're you're going to be like the personification of um, cowardice, cowardice and evil, basically. Um, so, go ahead, Jeff. Here's why I think it, it's more like sex than creating a YouTube collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> it's because... Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You get into, at least in my experience with the, uh, yeah. with the, the germ circle, yeah. what, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, we're in this together. I'm only seeing you and you're only seeing me. Maybe we can have a discussion about the other people you're seeing. But if I find out that you've been germ circling with oh, somebody yeah. else behind my back, I'm going to be very <laughs> upset. Now, right. if you're collaborating right. on YouTube with someone else behind my back... I don't care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Dave? This is why your analogy is terrible. My well, my analogy only applied to the carefulness component. It doesn't apply to like <laughs> but my being in a pod with thing, other people. My sex thing applies to the whole bag, baby. You're right. That, you know, in retrospect, Jeff, it is a better analogy. Okay, it's a better <laughs> analogy. Congratulations. Thank you. I don't, you know what? I don't even have a degree from the YouTube Academy, and I still schooled you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. Amazing. Um, so, uh, anyway, th so we, we are like uh, considering forming like uh, a, a pod or pods of people. And that's cool. Uh, you're taking candidates right now. You're interviewing. You're. Well, that's the other thing is like, it's also, you know, I was talking with a friend yesterday, a listener to the podcast who's like, um, if, if you're hanging out with people that are not in your pod, you know, you, you, it's time to have the conversation. 
right? <laughs> the conversation about like, hey, when you come over to my house, like, w- you know, w- what is it going to be like? Like, what is what is the what are the conditions under which we can interact? Right? Yeah, yeah. Nothing um, like sex, Dave. Yeah, good. Keep going. I, I never nah. said it was. Sorry, I no, never okay. said it was. I never said your analogy was bad, Jeff. Anyway, you no, know, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually feel for people that don't have kids because mm-hmm. the decision was made for me. You know, it's like who can, who can watch my kids? <laughs> Pretty know? much, I'm not yeah. selecting based on people I want to hang out with or their best practices or my trust in them. I have two criteria. One is. Are you basically care about this as much as I do, the safety issue? And B, do you have children around the same age and are you willing to watch mine for a little while and I can watch (laughs) yours for a little while? You know what I'm saying? That is the two criteria. And that's the thing is, you, yeah, uh, you you end up using criteria that you you might not have used in another time. Uh, But yeah, The Cut, which is a website for New York Magazine, did have a conversation about like, Friends discussing the COVID nineteen rules before hanging out. Oh, yeah. uh, I was talking with a friend yesterday who's a listener who's like, they set up like a survey monkey, you know, and it's like, okay, here are the que- before we come before we hang out, like you need to answer these five questions, like when was the last time you went outside, what'd you do, who else you've been hanging out with, all this stuff. Um, sure, sure. And Listen, I think that's social, all extremely reasonable. In our my social opinion. contract is broken, right? So now yeah. we have to basically rewrite it from scratch. Yeah on an individual basis with all of our friends. So yeah, hopefully so I would say one, one thing is uh, there should be a no hard feelings clause. Like yes. just if anybody feels not unsafe, like you need a safe word and you need to be able to tap out and you know, you'll still be still, friends. We, we can still FaceTime all you want. Yeah. We'll be FaceTime yeah. friends. <laughs> uh, so are you, are you guys thinking of like forming these social pods? Like you, it sounds like Jeff, you already have one. Divindra, yeah, you we're just done and in. done. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just, just with my parents and my brother, with your family. Who, yeah. Yeah. Who are being safe and staying home most of the time. And, when they aren't, I get to yell at them about it. So it's also the double benefit of me, you know, trying to keep my parents safe too. So, cause they want to be able to hang out with my daughter. So that is the, the, the bait there. Um, we'll <laughs> see. We'll carrot. see. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Um, we do have a, one of our new neighbors has a young child and I, I'm hoping like eventually she and Sophia will be able to play. Like uh, that's kind of why we moved because it was so hard in New York to stay safe. Cause we were in the middle of everything. Uh, now maybe eventually in a couple months when Georgia comes down, maybe we can. Yeah, I you I think I hope that for you. I think that's it's so nice to have that. Yeah, I, t- I tell you though, the the one silver lining for COVID is uh, I haven't been to a three year old birthday party in four months. <laughs> oh man, that's great. <laughs> you know what? It. it is it is a beautiful thing. I would have been. <laughs> I would have been literally every weekend would have been a, a kid's birthday party. Although I will say at this point, man, I miss I miss the dumb kid birthday parties too. Like you know, it, yeah. it's among the worst things you have to do when you have kids and you have friends who have kids. Like it's it's annoying. They're not grown up parties, but I would still gladly go for some of those right now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, to the to the extent that our podcast can help to normalize any kind of behavior, I think there's probably people out there who are, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago or last week about people having a difficult time resisting social pressure to uh, not wear masks or resisting social pressure to, uh, you know, uh, to not 
gather in groups indoors for super spreader events and so on. And uh, to the extent that this podcast can help normalize anything, I would say if you're thinking of like forming social pods or figuring out rules, um, you're going to need to have difficult conversations that is completely normal. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think we here on the podcast really encourage it because it's better to like have the conversation up front than to uh, feel like something bad happened without your consent. Right, Jeff? Yeah, um, exactly. So somebody made a YouTube video with you without you knowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to what we've been watching. Uh, but hope everyone's staying safe out there. Anyway, what we've been watching. All right, let me mention a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to uh, a Netflix short film I watched. I watched a, a short documentary about Zion Clark. It's uh, called Zion. It's on Netflix. This thing is like 10 minutes long. And uh, this short documentary uh, tells the story of Zion Clark, who was born with caudal regression syndrome, which uh, left him without legs. And so he has no legs and uh, still became like a very successful uh, wrestler in high school and college. And just the the visual of this guy uh, wrestling uh, people who have legs is just incredibly striking. He is uh, extremely talented and skilled. Um, the documentary is not that great as a documentary. Like when you think of a documentary, you're like, oh, and and the movie is called Zion, right? Which I know when Jeff Kanata watches a movie where it's the the person's name mm. in the title, he thinks like I'm going to get a summary of this person's life in this in this movie, right? Yeah, everything. Gonna, has gotta uh, be this movie is going to capture their essence, yes. right? And I would say this movie captures their essence from a raw, visceral, emotional perspective. It is a sensory experience, but you learn very, very little about Zion as a person, right? You 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 get like tiny, tiny snippets of his life, but from a visual and audio perspective, it is a breathtaking experience. So uh, I would recommend this short film for that reason alone. It's really striking. It's a, a very intense experience, and I'd recommend you check it out. It's called Zion. It's a short film on Netflix. Uh, You gents may or may not have heard that Amazon Prime Video, where I currently work, uh, launched Mm -hmm. a new feature called Amazon Watch Party. Do you guys hear about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. uh, There's this other feature called Netflix Watch Party that launched a while ago, but that was like a third-party Chrome extension. Amazon Watch Party is, uh, I believe, like an officially sanctioned Amazon actually built it feature uh, where you can watch any movie that's on Prime Video right now with others and chat together in a chat room. And uh, I did a watch party with some friends the other night, and it worked really, really well. Uh, and you can kind of just, there's a little chat window on the side, and you can kind of chat and give some commentary as the movie's happening. Uh, and I did not choose the movie, but the movie that was chosen was a movie called Rat Race, which is huh. the 2001 uh, Jerry Zucker movie that's based on uh, It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. And it's about this um, millionaire that forces people to go on this crazy adventure in order to obtain $2 million. Uh, the movie is not very good. It, it has <laughs> aged pretty poorly. I would say that like movies that make fun of marginalized groups in general age pretty poorly. Right, I think that like it's funny, it's edgy at the time, mm-hmm. maybe, but then like as time goes on and 
um, humanity becomes more enlightened uh, that people don't find it as amusing anymore, and it's it becomes very very cringy. And I would say there is a, a good amount of that humor in this movie. Um, and it's weird. I mean, I like Jerry Zucker's other movies, right? I mean, I think that uh, he's he's made some really funny films. Uh, Airplane, right, being like probably the one of the the classic exemplars of the genre. Top Secret, which is a movie that hasn't been as seen as widely, but is starting to to uh, become more recognized for its I've brilliance. always loved that movie. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. Um, Rat Race, uh, not as good. Not as good, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, I did have a great time chatting with people in the Amazon watch party. And uh, it's cool. It's, you, you create the watch party, and then it's just a link. You send it out. You, you know, I tweeted it. And then people just click on the link, and they can log in and, uh, and be part of the watch party. So it's super easy to use. Uh, and it definitely is useful in this day and age when uh, we're all watching things together apart, maybe. So I uh, would recommend you all check it out. Uh, that's Amazon Watch Party. And the movie I watched was Rat Race. Finally, quick shout out to I May Destroy You, the HBO original series that Devendra shouted out a few uh, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I've been watching it. Uh, I'm like five episodes in. There are 12 episodes. I was a little surprised by that because yeah. usually there's like yeah. six episodes. Uh, and so we're like halfway through the show right now. And I think it is uh, very, very good. I think it is really incisive and raw and also uh, very graphic. Would not watch this with the, the parents or the kids. Um, but it is uh, it, it depicts kind of uh, aspects of sexuality that you might not have seen before on your TV. And I think uh, it's worth considering, worth talking about. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to that mo- that show. I may destroy mm-hmm. you and say uh, probably one of the best things on TV right now. So it's check fantastic. it out. Uh, there was a great, I think it was on Vulture, but there was a great feature on Michaela Cole over the past week. And it is uh, definitely worth reading. I love her as a creator and as an artist. Definitely check out Chewing Gum, which is her Netflix thing, which is just a fun, cute comedy about a girl trying to lose her virginity. But it's really funny and really incisive, too. And I really dug Black Earth Rising. I keep bringing it up. John Goodman, Michaela Cole. It's fantastic. All right. Well, that's I May Destroy You. And yeah, Michaela Cole. Uh, yeah, fascinating feature in Vulture talking about like ownership of her property. Uh, very interesting stuff. So uh, check that out. That's what I've been watching. Kanata Jeff, what have you been watching? Well, it's very funny that you uh, did a watch party for Rat Race, which <laughs> is a big race, uh, because I did something very similar. Actually, uh, without any knowledge of what you were doing, uh, the, uh, there's a podcast that I do with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns, and we did a, uh, a watch party, basically a watch party for our patrons uh, for a movie called Cannonball Run 2. We wanted to do Cannonball Run, but it turns out, I guess the rights for the original Cannonball Run are uh, in murky. And you can't get it anywhere. It's like it's not streaming anywhere. You can't you can't get it. You have to pay uh, exorbitant fees for DVDs that are like, if, you know, from other countries. It's wild. I, I don't know what the deal is with Cannonball Run, but Cannonball Run 2, widely available, easily streamed. <laughs> so that's what we did. Uh, and the whole reason we did that is because we did a story on We Have Concerns uh, about how during the pandemic, at least the first couple of months of the pandemic, when Everybody was staying home. Everybody across the country was staying home. The record for the Cannonball Run was broken like seven times in a row in like a two-month period, which is unheard of because the Cannonball Run, which is this race from New York City to uh, Los Angeles across the country, 
uh, had stood for years and years and years. And so the fact that it was broken seven times because no one was on the road. It was this wild free for all where all these people try to do cannibal runs. Anyway, fascinating to me. So we decided to watch the the movie, uh, but couldn't. And so we had to watch the sequel from 1984 starring Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise and pretty much every TV actor of that time of like the late 70s, early 80s. And boy, Dave, if you talk about things not aging well, woo! Woo! <laughs> I tell you what, it is a barely watchable movie. There's even the people you figure will be the stars or bring some charm to it. There's just no semblance of anything of this movie. It is almost complete garbage. There's not even great set pieces or anything. It is very little redeeming about Cannonball Run 2. I'll give you some examples. <laughs> Jamie Farr plays a sheik that they refer to as uh, the, the Falafel, King Falafel. So they're already gr- great. We're in great territory here. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Italians in the movie. They're called uh, the Ravioli family, the, the Cannoli family. The it's it's just stupid. Um, Jackie Chan is in this movie. Uh, I think it's his first American movie. Yeah, I uh, think this movie single-handedly killed his American acting career for a couple decades. <laughs> yeah. Well. Jackie Chan, we all know, is Chinese. He plays an engineer from Mitsubishi, which, of course, is a Japanese company because no one could give a fuck back then, I guess, uh, about details like that. Um, and uh, <laughs> it is it, it is just unwatchable uh so it should not be seen by any human in my opinion there's very little redeeming about it um there are people credited in the movie as lamborghini babe and lamborghini babe 2 uh you know this is this is that kind of movie but it's not even any it's it's just it's not even funny it's not fun there's like three jokes in the whole thing where i was like okay that's a solid joke but most of it is just utter garbage I'm very curious what the original Cannonball Run, if it was any better quality, but but clearly this sequel is barely held together. The here's let me let me give you a pro tip, Jeff. Okay, because yeah. this is the second time I've done a watch party that's gotten super awkward because of uh, content in the movie. The first time was when I uh, did a watch party for not another teen movie, uh, which is, in my opinion, still very funny, but opens with an extended scene of something very graphic happening and i <laughs> just like oh i completely forgot about this and now i'm watching this with my friends because i've suggested this movie uh just you know, do yourself a favor you know before you suggest a movie for watch party like head on over to like filmratings.com or something else and like remind yourself why these movies are rated what they are you know what i mean well uh, and that yes, way, but that's i'm not saying not you would have changed your course of action but at least like then at least you know to be ready. You know it's what I'm saying? More, well, yeah, I, I, I suspected that was the case. <laughs> it was not a surprise to me. I mean, maybe the extent to which it existed was a surprise. But, uh, you know, it's it sort of, there was no not doing Cannonball Run. We, we, you know, it was all about doing the Cannonball Run. Uh, we just wish we could have done the first movie. Who knows? Maybe the first movie just as bad. But anyway, that was my experience with Cannonball Run 2, which is uh, pretty much as bad as they come, I, in my opinion. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that Cannibal Run 2 did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even think I would be surprised if it 
at the time was any good. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> it aged poorly immediately. Yes, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it wasn't it aged poorly once it hit theaters. <laughs> yes, yes. The the process of developing the film aged it poorly. <laughs> if you're a cat owner like me, you probably love your cats and not so much the litter that you have to deal with. So I want to talk to you about Pretty Litter, which is convenient, mail-order, smart cat litter. And it's smart in a way that's really interesting. It uses a proprietary formula to change colors to help detect signs of potential illnesses or anything like that, like urinary tract infections or kidney issues. And unlike a lot of other cat litters, it doesn't have any ingredients that could harm your cat's health. It's even pretty dust-free, which is a nice thing for the cats and humans alike. I also really enjoy the fact that it comes by mail, so I don't have to go trek out to a pet store and lug back a lot of litter. And it's pretty light, too, especially compared to clay litters. I honestly just love how useful Pretty Litter is. Uh, you kind of just have to go in and scoop out poop once in a while. Otherwise, you don't have to deal with it very much. It's all very light. Uh, it doesn't take much to store. It traps odor. It lasts pretty long, too. And there's not as much cleaning up as compared to a lot of other litters. So do what I did. Get the world's smartest cat litter without leaving home by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code Filmcast for twenty percent off. PrettyLitter.com promo code Filmcast. Jeff, anyway, Kanawa, what else have you been watching? Uh, I uh, I watched that new Tom Hanks film Greyhound, which is on Apple TV Plus. Um, this is a movie. I, I've heard this is a good dad movie, and you are a dad, Jeff. You, I am you a, are dad. a prototypical dad. What? Okay, explain to me what a good dad movie means to you. I feel like it's right near a good sit, but it's a good sit for dads. There you go. But what, like, what qualifications make it a dad movie? Good uh, enough. I, I, okay. Yeah. Let, it's let usually it usually is like a. It usually uh, has like it, it takes place in a war or has like war like action scenes. Okay. Uh, Check. It usually this takes like, place in World War Two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, there's usually like a white dude who's the protagonist. Yes. Um, so I'm thinking of movies like. Yeah, I'm thinking of movies like Hacksaw Ridge. I'm thinking of like Triple Frontier uh, and this About movie. About white men very good at their jobs, too. Typically. Yeah, white, white men very good at their jobs, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a movie about a white man who uh, is good at his job. That's, that, is that's there sure. a family a, to save? A... No, no. <laughs> oh, okay. That's no usually a good hallmark. That's usually yeah. one... I would say though, like my I, mean, I think you guys are like, talking about it as a pejorative. I, no, not, I, would not you necessarily. Call, would you call Crimson Tide a dad movie? Oh, very much a dad movie. But that's yeah. like the creme de la creme. That's like yeah. Well, you know. I think Crimson Tide is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. Uh, I think Greyhound is fucking awesome. Mm. And yes, I'm a dad, but it was great, dude. It's it's like an hour and twenty minutes with no fat on the bone. It is just balls to the wall nautical engagement it is just a situation that it is a it is a uh, a destroyer that is that is um uh chaperoning a caravan of ships that have to go through 50 hours of water where they can't have air support that's the premise we have maybe five minutes of setup and then we're in it and that's the entire movie. It's like the uh, a scene, like my, my favorite scenes from Master and Commander or Crimson Tide or The Hunt for Red October without the rest of the movie. It's just all the insane it, it, uh, 
sea fight part. The um, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, not nautical, but uh, you know, the navy yeah, 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 ship yeah. battles. That's the entire movie, dude. The script <laughs> w- was written by Tom Hanks. I would I would venture to guess if you went back and just charted it out, ninety percent of this movie is absolute gibberish. It. <laughs> I, I, I went to acting school, and in acting school we had a an an exercise that we did one of my movement teachers um did this exercise where he said everybody he, he put people in groups of two three four people and you had to go off together in your groups and come up with a game a game that's never been played before it didn't even have to be a good game just any game that had rules and that you were trying to win and that there were ways to win and ways to lose. Then you came back in front of the rest of the class and you played your game without explaining it. So you just tried to win as hard as you could without explaining what the rules to the game were. And invariably, it was fascinating to watch. Nine times out of 10, you had no idea what anybody was even doing or why. They would be shouting things, nonsense words. They'd be running around from place to place, hopping on chairs, doing stuff. It was never, it was completely inscrutable, but riveting. Why? Because the commitment, the passion, the desire, knowing that there are stakes and watching people recognize that there are stakes is engaging, is fascinating. That's this movie. 90% of the dialogue in this movie is Bearing 427, flibbledy flop, or whatever you say on a ship. I mean, I'm sure my dad, who was in the Navy, uh, would know <laughs> some of this stuff. But it is not explained. It is, ju- we're just in it. And it's riveting. It is riveting. Tom Hanks is running back and forth, a thing, pulling up binoculars, trying to spot things. It is a destroyer against a group of German U-boats, submarines, right? It's a destroyer versus a submarine, which I've never seen in a movie before. In World War II, when they didn't have digital anything, it's cranking, it's talking, it's uh, having another crew member basically repeat everything you say to the rest of the, you know, down to the lower decks. It's talking over loudspeakers. It's low-tech, but it is fucking awesome, dude. This movie... Like, that is all it is. It's an hour and 20 of just this 50-hour moment where they have to survive. It's awesome. I really liked this movie. I Maybe I'm a, maybe it's because I'm a dad. Maybe there's... I, I just feel like that's a kind of an unfair pejorative that... It's yeah, not it's a, a pejorative, Jeff. It's, a, it's just a descriptor. I would that say I think it's more like a, yeah, like a niche uh, yeah. subgenre. You know what? what I mean? Like, I don't if know you that guys, it's pejorative. If you guys don't think there's a negative connotation to that, then... You, no. Yeah. I, I call Bosch repeatedly <laughs> the most dad show ever made. And I recommend it to <laughs> well, people who like that kind yeah, of thing. Bosch is like one of his favorite shows. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's it's a thing. Dad like jokes. They, dad this. Dad that. I'm, I've oh, been a dad long enough. Oh, I see. It's because of the dad jokes. It's because well, of dad, dad anything. Dad, dad, joke, dad yeah. as a modifier is not a positive thing. And I think yeah, like white, white guy being good yeah. at his job is not a positive <laughs> thing. Right? That's that's what you guys described. That's a good thing. We love these movies. What are you talking about, Jeff? <laughs> Crimson Tide? If you're telling me the way we set up this movie was everybody's excited to hear my opinion about it because they're expecting it to be good. I think the way... (laughs) Not honest. The the thing about this movie is that it came out of nowhere. 
It is one of those weird, like, Tom Hanks has another movie, and it's going to be on <laughs> Apple TV. No, like, very few people have heard of it, but then I started seeing him do press for it, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. It just felt like a really weird one-off thing. Like, there have been other uh, other Apple TV Plus movies that nobody has seen or talked about, and it's so weird. So it felt immediately like one of those, but I'm happy to hear it's actually worth watching. I, I loved it. I loved it because... It, it it doesn't weigh itself down with anything. I mean, there's one scene with Elizabeth Shue at the beginning where it's like, okay, Tom Hanks has someone he cares about. But there's, it, it's, we're in it for about two and a half minutes uh, and then we're on the ship. You Isn't know? this the beginning mm. of uh, of the, the other boat movie? Captain Phillips? Uh, Captain Phillips. Yeah. Captain Phillips. Also, yeah. I mean, Tom it's Hanks very similar to wife. Captain Phillips. Yeah. It, and I, I love that movie. I think Captain it, Phillips is amazing too. Yes. But, um... Yeah, I mean, Which, this by, is, the, by the way, by the way, you know, woman at home that you need to make sure you're okay yep, uh, yep, yep. and survive for is also a hallmark of that movie. Yep. But let me just say, Jeff, I understand. Um, I understand why you would take it in a bad way, and uh, it's it's probably not necessarily a good thing. At best, it's a neutral thing to describe something as a dad There's movie. There's no universe in which you saying uh, this. Is, I heard this is a dad movie would be interpreted by anybody as being like, "Wow, Dave sounds like he's excited to hear about this movie." It, it might be if you are a dad and you want if you, and you like dad movies. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay. So you know, that, you know that being a dad is code for not being cool, right? I, mean, I know only, because only I am if you one. make it so, <laughs> Jeff. Like I, I feel like I'm wearing it pretty well. I don't know are... about you, sir. <laughs> I, I I am not cool. I I will cop to that. I never have been. Never ever in my see. life. Okay. Have I ever oh, no, been you, cool. you instantly no, become uncool when you're a dad. Like I'm over here singing Sesame Street songs and you know like doing all the things. But whatever. It, I think it's it's also dad movies, and we we need to come up with a better descriptor of it. But they're typically like good enough actiony type things where you will enjoy it, and you'll also enjoy your time away from your kids. I feel like that's it too. Like it's a vacation from your kids. <laughs> well, I, I don't need a movie to enjoy that. <laughs> I just need my kids not to be around. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming. I, I would say I can understand why you would chafe at the constraints of this being a good dad movie versus just it's a great movie. Period. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, you want this I, movie I to be defined by the fact that you're a dad and you like this movie. Right? Well, based on the based on the criteria that you outlined as to what makes a dad movie, this hits all those criteria, right? It's a mm-hmm. it's it's Tom Hanks doing the Tom Hanks thing, right? Being heroic, being this American guy who really has no flaws. You know, he's he's just he's full of idealism and heart, and you know, feels the pressure but rises to the occasion, right? That's the hallmark of a Tom Hanks movie right, to the right. point where it's almost become a parody of itself. And I think a lot of people even go, oh, Tom Hanks movie where he's playing a real person. Here we go again. But I thought this movie was excellent. And I mean, I can understand the cynicism in going, oh, this is a, you know, straight to video or whatever, straight to streaming Tom Hanks movie. Maybe won't be so good. It'll be the same kind of thing we've seen him do a thousand times. Right. And maybe that's true. Maybe it is, you know, this is, um, you know, uh, all those other movies, the, what's the one about landing the plane that was a real guy? Sully, Sully. Uh, Sully. Yes, he's not a bad movie. He's done it, he's done it all before, but what I liked about this one is putting you inside this experience and not explaining any of it and just letting you sort of see the mechanics, the the mechanisms of how those things worked, right? 
it, it feels crazy. It feels like, um, almost like a play or like a bottle episode of an, of a, of a bigger show because it's such a pressure cooker. It's such a small confined space and all these people have to do a certain thing. And it's, it's a very small movie, but also I, I found it riveting. I, I, I really liked it. Well, Jeff, I'll say you have single-handedly convinced me to watch this movie. So I'm just yeah, putting that out job. there. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to check out Greyhound. Uh, you're, it's um, never going to live up to that now. Now you're yeah, going to be like, ser- I need to have kids to enjoy this movie. <laughs> I just found this article at theringer.com while we were talking called Introducing the Dad Movie Hall of Fame. And they try to talk about like what is it that makes a dad movie. And, and the context is... Ford v Ferrari is a perfect dad movie. Perfect. Well, I hated dad that movie. movie. That's, yeah. that's two, so here, two man, this is, things. Kevin Clark says uh, uh, Ford v Ferrari has all the elements of a good dad movie. Vaguely aspirational characters who bend the rules, cool cars, a true story, sunglasses, <laughs> spending some time in Europe but not too much time, and the warped <laughs> idea that Ford is an underdog despite being one of the largest companies in the world, and that Ferrari, a small company run by one creative genius, is the big bad bully. Uh, so, and then Under, Jason Concepcion. wife, like in uh, a lot of these, but yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But, okay, and then Jason so, Concepcion continues, uh, I think the dad movie is about teaching. Uh, dad, dads love to impart lessons and they yearn to communicate their values. <laughs> Unfortunately, dads also hate to talk about their thoughts and feelings. It's just how they were raised. This is the market inefficiency that makes the dad movie necessary, end quote. That's brilliant, anyway. actually. That is yeah. it. Right but there. T- tell me that description of Ford v. Ferrari, which is a movie, granted, I did not care for. But tell me that description and how it relates to, to being a dad movie isn't cynical and n- negative. Right? It's, I, it, is, I, it, is a, it is a teardown of both that movie and dad. Jeff, I love that movie, and I think that description is perfectly accurate. I think it works completely. You're, but I'm, I'm talking about the tone <laughs> of that piece, right? Yeah, as I, not, as I not, indicated, Jeff, as I indicated, it is at best neutral. That's yeah. what I said. And <laughs> ridiculous I, and to I stick, suggest it's and neutral. And I stick by it. I, I, stick by I am it. not offended. I will tell you, I am not offended. I'm not talking about this because I'm offended <laughs> We've been talking by... about this for 15 minutes, but Jeff is not offended by the term. <laughs> I'm not offended. I just think that the idea that... You, the only reason I've been arguing so vehemently is that you, you seem to think that bringing it up in that way is not a pejorative, which is ludicrous. All right. Well, folks, let, let's, let's leave it to our listeners, Jeff. Yes. Okay. I, I, I anticipate many emails. <laughs> What do you think uh, the term dad movie uh, it may, represents? Like, what, what by, is by a way, good dad movie? Yeah, uh, to what Jeff is saying, I think you can say anything sarcastically and then denote <laughs> a pejorative of any word, anything. Like, it's, it's, maybe we used it in that way, but you could really do that for literally any word, Jeff. So, I, I would say yeah. think, of, think of dad movie as, like, romantic comedy or rom-com. Right. right? Like, it, yes, some people don't like that entire category of thing, but just because you call something a rom-com does not mean it is bad. It does, however, mean it fits in with, if, within certain strictures. You know? <laughs> I don't want to keep beating this dead horse. We should. This we money should horse. But <laughs> if you think that th- there's the same level of connotation between calling something a rom-com and a dad movie. I do. 100%, what, that, 100%. What, that they're equally negative or pejorative. Yes. I would love our listeners to tell me I'm wrong because I think that is insane. Okay. Well... Slash filmcast at gmail.com is where you got to write in and let us know what makes a good dad movie and whether dad movie is a pejorative or not. When you hear the term dad movie, do you think, yeah, or do you think, oh, that sounds like fun, which uh, <laughs> I, I sometimes have a combination of the two. So slash filmcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, but Greyhound is the movie that Jeff's been watching. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, can we can we do dominoes real quick? 
No, yeah, no. I, I just want to talk about something I've been watching with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> See, because I'm a dad. See, that's why I, I get. I get it. I get we it. We don't have to talk about it. I've been okay, watching. We gotta... I've been watching YouTube videos of people knocking dominoes over. <laughs> so the, now that's a dad movie. <laughs> there are a lot of these, not just dominoes, but also like uh, the big, like uh, the big setups, like for all the. What, what do you call those things? Like uh, when you knock something over and like a whole chain reaction of things. Oh occurs. yeah, a uh, Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, there. Uh, I am amazed by some of those, and yeah. one of those also featured into like uh, one of my favorite TV episodes of this year. So that's a fun thing on YouTube. I'm that, that is total dad material. I love oh, it. Oh, dude, that is that could not be more dad material because it yeah. makes my kids watch. Yeah, we have gone down the rabbit hole of watching these incredible like record breaking dominoes. There are mm-hmm. things that. You know, they flick one domino and then, you know, 15 minutes later, it's still going. There's still things falling over. It's insane. It's insane. Uh, I highly recommend people just you go down that YouTube rabbit hole because it's worth it. Speaking of rabbit holes, you guys know what Twitter account I started following recently. Oh, boy. Uh, this is the beginning but, of every good story, by the way. <laughs> There's yeah, a ahead. Twitter account called Gripping Food with Force. It's just <laughs> at... <laughs> what? What? It's just... It's at Gripping Food... Go to at Gripping Food, and every post is just a photo of someone's hand gripping food with force. Oh, I do not. I don't think I like that. Is it like stuff oozing and squishing what? out? Yes, oozing no. and like squeezing this out. Is I do not want. Do not want. Step below food fetish videos. Yeah. But that, it's, just, it's like pictures. Ugh. It's not a videos. You, know? you like Whatever. this? Or does Whatever. It, does it give you the heebie-jeebies? Do you like it or bad? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it in the same way I like horror films. You know, I like, mm-hmm. I like how uh, it makes no. me feel something. It's more like it's and like that, the that something is discussed. <laughs> the the food cake thing where all all the random foods ended up being cake. I feel like that has been the latest viral phenomenon I've seen, and that is disturbing. That is disturbing as hell. Yeah, everything's just cakes now. Everything is cake, and you never know. Am I a cake? Uh, my favorite meme is, uh, <laughs> is a lie. the the scene. Yes, the cake is a lie. But the Terminator Two scene where. <laughs> Where Arnold just like rips off his hand to the Dysons and is like, look, showing my friends I'm not a cake, even if they're not asking. And the horrified look at the Dysons, which is like, it's amazing. It's perfect. My my favorite part of that movie, right, uh, that scene, I should say, is uh, <laughs> they go to visit the Dysons after yes. Linda Hamilton's already shot Dyson in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like, hey, your work succeeds. You're, you're actually the bad guy, Miles Dyson. And he's like, how do we know what you're saying is true? And then John Connor is like, show him. And he takes a knife and he like flips it open. And it's like, so did you guys work out some code beforehand that you're going to like cut off your entire arm if you said like show him? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Yeah. How does he know? Did, did they work do? that out in advance? Like, hey, at some point, they're going to need proof. I'm going to hand yeah. you this knife. Cut off your entire arm. What can this you do that we might seconds. need to use later? To prove somebody that you're a robot from the future, please. Yeah. And then what? Figure it out. Then what? Now you got now you got this arm hanging off. You got this what, arm hanging off. What? It's bloody. It's a bloody yeah. thing. That's like now you got to deal with this arm by. Well, uh, they dealt with it rather elegantly by putting a glove on it. You know. Yeah. So they they didn't need to deal with that for the rest of the film, but you could see that causing a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Did you he know? leave? I don't remember. Did he leave the like bloody flesh carcass bit? There? I don't no, think we ever like know what happens open. to that flesh carcass. I think it goes mm. back into the glove. He just flops it back in place. And <laughs> he puts flops glove it back in place. He heals. He heals. <laughs> sew it up. Come on. Spa- <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You know, something that I really appreciated about this podcast yeah. is that it, it has gradually become less of a movie podcast, and it's really more just about documenting our <laughs> mental and emotional decline during this well, time. Well, we, right? we already established we know next to nothing about movies. <laughs> and uh, I would say two-thirds of us have not even graduated from the YouTube, <laughs> YouTube Content Creator Academy. So uh, what's, what do you expect, Dave? Uh, so let's get to people who've donated to the podcast. <laughs> people. <laughs> For some reason, yes, people perfect, are donating money the to this. The perfect segue. The perfect thanks, segue. Thanks to Rex Chen, Jorge Albor, Mark Hearn, June Choi, Taylor Weigert, Christopher Kalla, and Eric Webster, who writes, this is my application fee for joining the Jeff Kanata School of Limerick Writing. Mm. Much more expensive so, than the YouTube uh, content creator thing. Yeah. How, how much is, what is a one-year tuition at uh, Jeff Kanata School of Limerick writing, Jeff? Oh my gosh. Uh, there's a, first, you have to be selected. You need uh, three letters of recommendation that have to mm-hmm. be written in the form of a limerick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it is an extensive process. And then we can negotiate the fee, right? But the application fee, I appreciate the application fee in advance. It is non-refundable. Uh, even if you're de- if you're uh, declined, so <laughs> even if uh, the Jeff Kanata School of Limerick writing is never formed or formed or built, yeah, especially it's not, if it's never formed or built, <laughs> then in that case, it is truly non-refundable, right? Yes, there's no financial infrastructure with which to refund it. So <laughs> that's true. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, Tim from Eugene, Oregon writes: Hi guys, I'm donating on the condition that Jeff reviews more shows while high. Oh. Five bucks should be enough for at least one edible. He's referring, of course. Tim is referring. To, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Tim is referring, of course, to our discussion of floor is lava last week, which apparently Jeff Kanata consumed while uh, under the influence of of drugs. Right. That's true. Uh, that's true. I did have an edible before I had that, and I would say nothing is more a dad movie than something that you uh, <laughs> you would take drugs to watch. While your kids are asleep. That's the definition of a dad <laughs> a movie dad for movie. me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I got a lot of people asking for that. I don't know. I, I don't know. There was some, there seemed to be some confusion that I did the review well under the influence, which is not, not accurate. It yeah. was merely not reviewing. Accurate. That, I don't that know. time, at least. That, that stuff time, stays in your system, Jeff. I hope you know this. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's true. It's true. Uh, but I will take it under advisement and, uh, I appreciate the enthusiasm from the audience. Maybe we can all do that. Maybe we should all just do an episode where we all have watched something uh, in a special place. Yeah, I, th- I get too paranoid when I do that. So, well, that, how, how much better would the review be than, than uh, the old guard is coming to get you? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to donate to this podcast for some reason, uh, you can go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Or go to SlashFilm.com, click on the SlashFilmCast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you hardship or takes away from money that you donate to other causes. But if you do have some extra cash, feel free to throw it our way. Also, um, if you want to support this podcast for $0, just go to the Apple Podcast page, take a few seconds to leave a star rating or a podcast review. It really does help. Thanks so much. Let's get to our review of The Old Guard. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers. Fighters like you. With an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Mother? 
let's just say we're very hard to kill. You've got questions, kid. You want answers? I have the new one. And? I think she has potential. <laughs> See, you're already healing faster. You're gonna do great. That was from the trailer for The Old Guard, uh, the new movie on Netflix right now. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret, just as an unexpected new member is discovered. This movie was directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, and it stars Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, a bunch of other talented people. Uh, it cost around $70 million to make. It was the number one movie on Netflix uh, the day after it was released. And Devendra Hardwar, curious what you thought of The Old Guard. Oh, yeah. This movie feels like it was made exactly for me. Like, it is 100% my jam. I loved everything about it. Um, I tweeted after seeing this movie that it's basically the concept of Wolverine from the X-Men, plus uh, a bit of Xena the Warrior Princess in there, which is a show I really loved, uh, and Sense8 from the Wachowskis, which is a fantastic series on Netflix. And it is... It's a whole bunch of those things. Like, it's a show... This is a movie about immortal warriors who are just fighting forever. But it also, like, you know, has the great action you'd expect. But it has great characters who are all very distinctive and all have very strong personalities. Um, it really does a great job of selling this concept of them as a fighting unit or as a sort of family. Like, it really gets uh, the texture of this world of, like, what would it be like to be somebody who's potentially thousands of years old and have seen, you know, everybody you've loved die, um, but also have this whole history and have this small group of friends who, you know, you're just trying to do your bit of good in the world. I loved all this. Um, Netflix has many movies at this point about small groups of people trying to save the world in different ways. And compared to Six Underground, I, I feel like this is a far better and more successful movie. I dug everything about it. Um, I've also, I'm, I'm glad this is a success for Gina Prince-Bythewood because I've been following her since uh, since I saw Beyond the Lights a couple of years ago, which is a fantastic movie. So she is super talented. I love that this is just like a great diverse cast filled with really interesting characters. Like there, there's so much going on here. At one point in this movie, somebody reads, says, says like a, a comment about their partner in the movie and it's just pure statement of love, which I absolutely adored. Uh, this movie has so much heart while kicking so much ass. And I love that about it. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on the old guard? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on the old guard are best summed up in the form of a limerick. I like movies in this category, but some <laughs> plots can feel mandatory. So it sure is swell to see this film tell a non-origin origin story. Nice. Mm. Mm. And I really liked that about it. It is, uh, this is a screenplay by Greg Rucka, comic book writer based on his comic book, The Old Guard. Uh, very much a superhero movie, very much a comic book movie, but it doesn't follow, I think, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those tropes, a lot of that formula that I know you guys have bristled at a bit uh, mm -hmm. with Marvel mm -hmm. movies and with superhero movies in general. It feels like a fresh take on that stuff. And I think that's because the structure is more interesting. It doesn't doesn't paint by numbers. And yet it does create this wonderful origin story that 
<clears throat> leads it open for you know, potential franchise, which I think could be really cool. Um, I agree with pretty much everything that Devendra said. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun and quick and interesting. There's a few things that we can talk about in spoilers that mm-hmm. were a little less than great. Uh, there's a few moments where I'm like, that just feels a little convenient or kind of dumb. But they're few and far between and ultimately a very fun movie with really great, clever lore. You know, this is an interesting idea that is super well thought out and super well explored. You know, the ramifications of this are really, I think, interesting and laid out in an interesting way. You've definitely seen all kinds of stories about people that can't die or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, there's, you, there's you, a lot of like vampire mythology yes. in here along with yes. like, yeah, Wolverine and things. Yeah. 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 And, and that stuff has been explored, but I think this really takes a fresh look at it and does it in an interesting way, right? These are people that have one really special thing about them. That's super special, but they're all, they're not like combined with super strength or the ability to fly or anything else like that. They, you know, they're not, superheroes they're just yeah. you can't kill them you they know still get is, hurt yes but you can't kill them and such, I love a, that. such yeah. a cool way in and also the idea and the exploration of what it's like to have lived a long 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 time really really great and and yes it, i agree with you 100 percent, devendra it has heart it ha- it has another layer to it than it's not just a slick fun action movie mm-hmm. but it is also a slick fun action movie yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I, I was impressed with it one of the first scenes of this movie is just like this core group coming together and chilling out and just seeing each other and giving each other gifts. And it feels like in any other movie, you wouldn't even have time for that, like breath of people reconnecting. And I absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I hate to be the odd person out in this this case, but oh, man. I will say that <laughs> I love the ideas. You just see him and deflate <laughs> in audio form. I love uh, the ideas behind the movie. I think that thematically uh, the movie's racial politics are really interesting, but I think where it falls down is in a lot of the execution. And I can't really talk about it. Uh, until we get to spoilers. Uh, I'll say, I thought the action was hit or miss for me. You know, I think that... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Man, Charlize some is of, awesome as always, she's, dude. She's awesome as always, but like so, like the very first action scene, I'm not going to reveal exactly what happens in it, but yeah. it feels edited to shreds. You know, yep. and like I, I had just seen, we had just seen Charlize Theron recently in Atomic Blonde and the action, uh, you know, is much more male gazy in that movie, but it obviously uh, it, the action feels way more comprehensible to me. And you like, could see, you can see what's happening. You it's can see a, what's happening. It's wider, wider shots, frames, like yeah. uninterrupted takes. It's mm-hmm. just like, I feel like so later much... on, though, later on, there's a few action sequences where you really see her do it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's great. That is true. That is true. But uh, I feel, I feel like also, it, it, yeah. just to like since we're talking about action, it is a combination of a bunch of things because I feel like there's there's some great choreography. There's some really cool stuff. And then there's some stuff that just feels like kind of half hearted, like not yes. like it looks cooler than it, or they think it looks cool. But I don't think in execution, you know, the moves people are doing actually look that cool. So I wish it was a little more focused in that respect, because I want more of the good action, not the like flowery stuff that they end up doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh, the villain is uh, pretty bad as a villain, and I don't mean like he's evil. I mean he's just car- he's a cartoon like villain with 
he's so he's so evil. You know what I mean? He's like so it just evil. Is, Dave, startup bro, as pharmaceutical his guy. Suit yeah. jacket has a hood on it. I, that, I mean, that part was cool. I was like, I need to get that. You know, I I want to style myself after that guy. Because yeah. uh, can can you imagine, guys, an outfit in which you are wearing a suit jacket? And a hoodie at the same time. But you don't it's have just, to wear both a suit jacket and a hoodie, right? That's the problem is when you want to wear a suit jacket over your hoodie, you have to first put on the hoodie and then put on the suit jacket. If only there were a solution. Super inconvenient, yeah. If only yeah. there were a solution of had it, having the cool hood coming out the back of your suit jacket without the bulky hoodie underneath your suit jacket. <laughs> I mean, I'm not convinced that's not what he did, though, Jeff, is put the, oh. the suit jacket over the hoodie. You no, know? that is um, a hood sewn to a suit jacket, is what that it, is. It is the next wow. evolution of the Startup Bro form, because the current uniform, one of them, is uh, hoodies under suit jackets, yes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, no, he is, that's how we know he's a genius. Yeah. I mean, it's telling, though, that the thing that we think he contributes most to his to, to the, the depiction of evil is that jacket. I feel um. like I feel like this movie, like it had a certain budget, right? And they were they were able to cast so many great people, like Chiwetel Ejiofor, Charlie's, everybody. And then they got to the villain. They're like, "Huh? Well, we can get this guy." He I thought he fine. was great. I thought he was great. I, no, I, I don't thought know he was, about he was great. great in he was great in you know doing what they told him to do, yeah. which is to yeah. say play a very uninteresting character. It's not great. Right? I, it's the character is not I, great. I think he's as an actor. I think he's uh, completely up for the challenge of this this role, which is not a very good role. Um, yeah. Also, you know what's funny is I watched this movie and I'm like, you know, I I have the hankering for another uh, <laughs> female led action movie. So I I turned Salt on, which is also on Netflix, and she would tell Ajiafor is playing basically the same character in Listen, that movie. He's done this several <laughs> times. Um, was it also? Um, he's trying four... to track down Salt in that movie. He's trying right? to track and... down Salt um, in. Uh, what is he guy? In... Serenity, yeah. the Firefly movie, he's trying to track down, you know, one of the main characters. Like, that's yes, his thing. Right. I love it. He's a tracking guy. <laughs> he's know? a tracking down guy. He's I got a, tra- I got a track you down character. What actor can I get? That it really Chiwetel. kills me we didn't get more of Chiwetel Edge 4 as a goddamn space ninja. That was so, that was so good. Oh, well. Mm. Shall we get the spoilers for uh, the sure. old guard? Spoilers for the old guard starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right, so let me say right off the bat that uh, in terms of the ideas of this movie, like the thing that resonates most with me, and also uh, my, my wife watched this movie with me, and she was very taken with it, but this idea that, like, I think the movie is largely about uh, trauma, right? And mm-hmm. how people need to endure it. There's a speech that Charlize Theron's character gives where she says, like, uh, Kiki Lane's character says something like, you know, like, what has time taken away from you? And she says, Charlize Theron's character responds, it's not what it's taken away, it's what it leaves behind, right? And uh, the idea that, like, uh, this movie, I think, is a metaphor for, honestly, the challenges that minorities and people of color need to go through um, on a daily basis, right? Like the, the the trauma that they need to suffer on a daily basis just to survive. And like that is personified in the fact that they are like these immortal beings that just need to absorb all this shit mm-hmm. and keep going. I'm, and I think I'm, it is- I'm amazed. I think the most amazing thing, right, is that they do keep going, even though like, man, 
every every time you try to help humanity, they don't seem very grateful, or it doesn't seem like you're affecting much. <laughs> right. And that it's is a, a main lot, theme lots of the relevant. Movie. Yeah. A lot of yeah. relevant topical content. And um, I think it is no accident that the one guy who can't take it anymore uh, <laughs> is the straight white dude. You know, the one guy who like betrays them all is the straight white dude. I think that's not a mistake in in the movie. It's not just coincidence that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think like the movie is trying to say a lot about uh, what it is like to not be you know in the majority. Uh, and I really like that about the movie. Like that's it's it's great to have a story like that. I, the, my beef with it is only in the execution. There are some parts that are like really really cheesy. I think the the last five minutes of this movie is god awful. Like when she's <laughs> looking at the yarn wall and it's like, oh, like all the people I've impacted over time. It's just like they're making text the sub. It's just like wow, this is Dave, awful. We gotta set, and then we gotta set up a sequel over here. Yeah, like and Netflix then setting doesn't up, have box office receipts. You know, they don't, they don't have anything to go with. They gotta. I like really how like uh, he becomes their it. oracle. You know, he becomes yeah. their. <laughs> I didn't mind. Uh, I didn't mind the part about the post-credit sequence where they they uh, find uh, the other woman who was yeah. trapped underwater. Which, uh, by the way, is what an amazing one of, yeah one ahead, of yeah. the most horrifying, horrifying. concepts yes. I've ever yes ever 100%, encountered. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, the idea of uh, not being able to to die, basically, right? No, just the, drowning over and over every few minutes for hundreds of years. It just. And trapped in an iron, oh, dude, that, there's nothing that comes close to that. That is, yeah. if you just yeah. take more than a few seconds to think it through, I, I can't handle it's, it. There's a lot of that in vampire fiction, like uh, the, the Dracula show you love, Jeff. Like yeah, that, yeah. that kind of happened. And also Angel, like a lot, a lot of different things. But they stay alive, right? They're just very bored underwater. Yeah. But the idea that you're constantly being revived and dying yeah. and, oh, man. Oh, oh, by the way, that, that woman played by Van Veronica Go, um, yes. she was in uh, Last Jedi. She was the woman that detonated yep. the, uh, oh, the yeah, bomber. Yeah. She was also Hanoi Hannah in Defy Blood. So, like, she's everywhere now. Yeah. I love her. And she yeah. starred she, in Fury. I love her. Super talented. Super talented. So it was great to see her. And yeah, it's, it's just uh, like it's awesome a... to see like a, a, a multicultural cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. Devinder, you pointed out there's a scene where that we've never seen in a major superhero action movie, which yep. is like a man declaring his love uh, extremely vociferously in for another man. I guess like eternity, right? Like yeah, no, no eternity. poem so cool. can really, really match that. And I love the reaction to the security guards. They're just like, Shut, shut up, guys. Shut up. Stop, <laughs> those, kissing. You, Stop kissing. Those guys that are toxic masculinity, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, that was Yeah, awesome. that was fascinating. I, I guess, you know, this is... We're, we're a very far cry from the sort of subtle reference to homosexuality in Avengers Endgame, right? Yeah. Uh, this is, like, really just making everything uh, much more uh, explicit. And, and so that's all great. So there's many things I really like about this film. And uh, some of the action scenes are pretty good. I love the airplane, inside the airplane yes. action scene. That so was good. awesome. Like when when Kiki Lane and uh, Niall and Andy are fighting for the first time, right? Like that was awesome. I thought it was very well shot, very well performed. Um, but yeah, I, I did find a lot of the action to be pretty underwhelming. I did find it to be like over edited and uh, not super inventive. Although that that last action scene when they're in the building did have a cool a couple cool ideas. Th- there right? was like a cool long take where they like basically trade off victims like somebody will punch somebody and like somebody else will shoot them like that sort of stuff is good then there's stuff where like people are just like twirling their guns around or something or like do like a little flip flourish that 
just it feels like more show than anything and i'm somebody who it's, loves it's, john woo it's a form over function basically yeah right? i but love yeah, john woo no, flourishes but not maybe not too much or a little too much here the, the ideas that I liked were, number one, there's a scene where Chiwetel Ejiofor is like, oh, I'm not going to let you go in there by yourself. And then she's like, no, dude, stay behind. You you can die. Uh, I can't. Like, stop being a, stop being a moron. And, you know, and yeah, like, I was yeah. like, oh, this is like a complete reversal of 99% of other action movies, right? Where it's like the woman that needs to stay behind and it's the guy right. who gets to be macho and go. And so that's that was interesting to see. And then... Um, uh, and then the fact that like Charlie Saren among them is the one that is mortal and vulnerable. So they're mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of like a an escort quest, right? That they need right. to like oh, they the, need to the, like I wanted them yeah, to lean into that more and just be like, "Okay, we need to surround her with our immortal bodies and take all the <laughs> yeah, shots exactly. that she would have taken." I, I was hoping they would do that more. Um but yeah, it, it, it me didn't too. really Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's like the ideas are awesome. It's just like the execution is just kind of uh like I wish it was just a little bit. And and of course, right, the the biggest thing is um and wait, I know wait, you guys just, just before you get to the biggest thing, sorry, I, I'm hoping that maybe in the sequel, that's like the whole movie is that it's right, like she's right. the leader who is not immortal anymore mm. and everybody else is. That's a great idea for a sequel is she's still she's still a badass. She still mm-hmm. has all the knowledge she, she, she's gained over those millennia of being alive. She's still their leader. But she's no longer immortal. She's yeah. going to age out and die. She's she's so, Wolverine in old man Logan mode. Yes, basically. but but, like, but with a team of other Wolverines around her. <laughs> like that's awesome. What a cool idea that would I love be. It. You know, I think yeah. Yeah, I, I, agree. I feel like that's what it really comes down to, Dave. Like how much you love these concepts. Like I, I do agree. I think some of the action is too flowery and not like effective. But then some of it is really cool, and I love the team building. I I love the idea that they sort of like dream about each other like they have this consciousness yeah, yeah, that, connection cool. which is pure cool. sense yeah. eight stuff it's great mm. yeah yeah it, yeah 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 um so a couple couple pro, couple of the issues i had but number one you is said the biggest thing uh, Sorry, yeah the I biggest thing is is basically the premise of this is hey uh and i think all of us having just played the last of us can identify this like your blood can literally end yeah. disease and mortality. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely thinking of Last of Us. <laughs> and it's like, and uh, you might have within you the key to end vast quantities of human suffering. And they're all basically just like, fuck that, you know? And the reason <laughs> is because the uh, guy who's behind it is cartoonishly evil. Like, imagine sure, sure, sure. if that guy was actually uh, magnanimous and like a nice person, right? Like, then. The movie wouldn't work, in my opinion. Because... I feel well. I do feel like they should have explored this a little more too, because they show you know these are people who are also persecuted by churches after probably fighting alongside them in the Crusades, I believe. Right? So it's well. There's one. There, there's, there's a lot one... of like humanity has not helped them, even though they spend you know their existence fighting for humanity. Yeah, and there's one line that is a little ambiguous, but he at one point the guy the guy says you know i could save all of humanity with your blood or whatever and he mm-hmm. said I, i've heard that a million times before yes yes and mm. which you could take as being like oh you know you're just evil and trying to justify your means or you could take it as like we've tried this it doesn't yeah, work yeah the churches <laughs> you know? have tried it and now it's like right. the church yeah. of science and technology and it's the same deal yeah it, so, it sounds like you guys do not agree with the following criticism which i've heard about this movie and i agree with okay which is that these people do not feel like they are people that have lived for a thousand years. And they feel, from a personality perspective, they feel like just mercs that happen to be like tougher than usual. They all speak English. 
Uh, they all like they they've been through some shit. They've had like ex- some shared experiences. The thing about the block the baklava, I think, at the beginning was like mm-hmm. the closest we get to having a sense that their personalities are of those who have lived for really hundreds of years. I, I, I would mean, have loved some more for, of the flashbacks. Like the, we got bits of that, but yeah, yeah. The idea yeah, that anyone, yeah, but, but even like here's a, here's an example of how that's been done is. Uh, in a much different setting, with a much different situation, is what we do in the shadows, right? The movie, sure, sure. what we do in the shadows. There is like a vampire <laughs> in that movie that's lived like 800 years, and he basically is nonverbal, right? Like he doesn't speak at all. He's his all his head's all probably all fucked right, up, right. you know. And <laughs> this you know, movie doesn't like, work okay, if that, they do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm just like, okay, that makes sense to me as a guy who's lived 800 well, years. Like your mind would be complete fiction. mush. That fiction you know? of like a vampire where you were also deteriorating. It's like those vampires, they're not technically immortal. They're just aging very, very slowly, right? Whereas this is, you are purely immortal. Like you got to accept the premise I, I that guess, they're selling you. they also die randomly the when idea it's convenient that, for the plot. The idea that in wh- whatever BC, someone that looked like Charlize Theron was walking around is pretty ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? That, that in it, on its face is pretty in- insane, but... I actually sympathize with that criticism. I do feel like it was a bit like that, but I guess my head canon was justifying yes. it in the sense that they, mm-hmm. they They've adapted to the times, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have just yeah. become, you know, you live long enough that you just sort of fall into whatever, you know, it's not old dog, <laughs> new tricks anymore. It's literally just like, okay, we're, this is the way the world works. Yeah. Now. This is now we're all speaking in English now, you know, yeah. like this yeah. is, this is how life is. It, it seems like a weird criticism too. Like I, I guess we expect people to to retain the stuff that they came with. But yeah, if they're literally hundreds, sometimes thousands of years old, there's adaptation involved. Like there, that's a whole process too. I wish the movie were longer. I would have liked to explore some of this. Um, I had brought up the HBO show Be Foreigners before, which is a show where um, uh, European city, but people from the past end up, you know, popping into modern European cities and like. That is very much that platform where, oh, you literally were just dropped into here and you have all your old customs and your old language and it's hard to fit in. Whereas like, yeah, these folks, they they have all the time in the world to learn new cultures and new languages, right? But I guess like, wouldn't that shape your worldview or like instead they're just all... I think it does. Like, like, okay. I mean, there's a movie that I, I can't say what it is. But there's a movie we're going to be reviewing in the next couple of weeks in which like <laughs> characters are in a very similar situation. And the the thing about this that movie and other movies is that like basically people who are put in this situation, right? Where in an extraordinary situation where you are living forever, people generally deal with that in vastly divergent ways. Sure. Right? Like you would and just but for some reason they're all just mercs basically you know what i mean like there's no reason to think that they would all want to do this thing that they're doing it, it, anyway okay i'm sorry i've uh, Maybe. i appreciate your guys patience <laughs> listening to my critiques go ahead Jim. i mean i think that I, I guess the concept of the movie is they all have done weird things like there's a situation where the two dudes talk about having gone to um Malta or wherever mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. you know, you get the sense that they're not just murking all day long every day <laughs> for, you know, hundreds of years. They do things other than murking all the time? There's not just murk here, murk there, murk, murk, <laughs> murk. You know, it's not just a bunch of murking all it's day. It's not just murk, 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 murk. Yeah, there's just, you know, murk, 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 murk. You know, you know what murk, they murk, say? Murk. You know what they say, Dave? All murk and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And so I feel like they have played a little bit. And we just happen to be seeing them when they're murking, you know, and it's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's what, we we basically we didn't see them enough on their off murk time. 
right? That, is really that's right. My, yeah. Yeah, you can't judge criticism. someone by just watching the murk, you know? <laughs> you can't judge a murk by its murk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. But right. uh, honestly, uh, yeah, I mean, she, she, I think at the beginning, it's like, oh, we got to go back and do this. We don't really do this. This is, they've decided that they can nudge the world in small ways, but Charlize's entire position is, I've been doing this for a long time and the world's actually getting worse. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I think, an interesting position to take is that she's like... She's too the old for cynical, the shit. She's too yeah, old the for the shit. Yeah, the cynical immortal. It's the cynical immortal who's like, ah, and everything also, I do for thousands of years has done bupkis, you know? And I've been working so long. Kiki Lane's character does like bring up like, I, what if I don't do this? What if I don't, you know, be this? Right. And she yeah. tries to get away and it's like, oh, the convenient reveal where she has to go kill everybody. I feel like this movie <laughs> tries to wrestle with the idea that... Yeah, that's that, the thing. It's like, it's like Kiki Lane's role, like Niall being like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm not going to go. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, that was yeah, interesting yeah. Turning yeah. her back on it and it's like, nope, she's just forgetting that and just slaughtering well, she all got, She got to help. She got to help her people <laughs> at this point. But yeah. like compared to like The Last of Us 2, which I'm playing right now, which I guess is sort of trying to convey a similar idea of like too much violence bad except the entire game is violence 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 like to me i'm <laughs> i'm not having a good time and we're going to probably have a longer conversation about this at some point but i don't feel like that game is living up to its premise in many ways where i feel like at least this one this movie brings up the idea and actually has a character try to go through with it and yeah the circumstance brings them back into this but I'm hoping to see them living normal lives uh, in the second movie or something like that. And then, you know, the the big bad who, you know, the long lost character now out from under the sea will bring them back together for something. So I'm hoping to see yeah. different aspects of these characters. I, I will tell you guys, uh, it will surprise you not one bit that I knew nothing about this movie when I turned it on. And <laughs> the opening action sequence kind of blew my mind. I know Dave, you said it was a little underwhelming for you, but I, I was like, the whole time I was like, they're using swords and guns? And the whole time I was like, honey, 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 is that, does she have a battle axe on her she back? damn well better is has that, a battle axe, yeah. You, you can't see, like the whole, the whole beginning of the movie, they don't show it, they just show this handle, and then like she'll go around a corner and you'll kind of see a reflection. I was like, honey, I think that's a battle axe on Charlize's back. <laughs> Uh, it was a cool moment for me because I had no idea why that would be, but it just seemed so rad. That I'm surprised. I thought you would have heard of the comics, Jeff. Like this seemed like a I have heard of the well comics, but I honestly, yeah. I've never read them, and I didn't know what they were about. So yeah, I mean, ah. I knew I knew it was based on a comic. I just have never read this one. So yeah. Uh, so despite my challenges with the end, it, and when I say the ending, I'm literally talking about that scene where they're in front of the yarn wall. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. And so, some of it's the yarn wall scene. is pretty rough too. The like if you look wall. closely, it's like. <laughs> it's uh it's the it's always sunny wall basically yeah it's the it's always sunny wall that's right yeah they're yarn yeah. walling it and uh and it's like this you know big circle in in you know magic marker andy question mark anyway uh some yeah. of that was pretty rough and and i thought that whole speech that have you guys ever me. thought about something long enough that you needed to write your own questions about it on a wall <laughs> definitely definitely weakness you have? weakness you know the the whole uh quiet voice or a quiet place wall yeah I, I would be so bummed if like i'm making my yarn wall and i'm going stepping through the millennia that these characters have been, have been alive and then i discover something that fits in between these two <laughs> other points that i already stuck close to each other i'm like fuck i gotta reorganize my entire yarn wall now yeah yeah or i guess that's why you get longer strings of yarn so you can pull just a big long point over here <laughs> 
That's where it gets yeah. into. That's where it gets. Dry you know. erase boards exist. People like use them. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, th- then this whole speech that she gives about like you're going to help us out, and all that stuff was just so rough in my opinion, and and setting up for a sequel that we're never, we may never see. Who knows? Uh, yeah, and no. I, it's very irritating when when it sets it up. Okay. Okay. But, but 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 was a fan of the mid credit sequence because. I spent that entire movie wondering what happened to that woman under the sea. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, che- it's Chekhov's, it's Chekhov's uh, Iron Maiden is what that is. Chekhov's <laughs> Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's just like the the image of her screaming down there is horrifying, and you're just like, terrible. man, I hope she's. I wonder what's going to. Like, right? I thought they were going to go and try to find her using modern James Cameron esque sea technology, you know? Because like, <laughs> I will yes, tell you, I understand. If they, if they in like 300 BC, that, you can't find her, but like maybe now right. you can yeah, with James right. Cameron technology. If they haven't yeah. attempted that, that is just a dereliction of duty, in my opinion. That is, <laughs> if you're like literally like you know, we tried hundreds of years ago, and it's like, yeah, but have you seen Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> we have better technology now. Well, Jeff, according to this movie, if they had tried, it would have been a waste of time. Yeah, right? she was not even there. She's not. She even wasn't there. even there. She uh, got out. My, my biggest criticism with this movie is some of the convenient stuff. Like for example, hold on. Before you get to that, I'm, I'm, I want to hear it, but I'll just I'll just say uh, it reminded me of like the Nick Fury moment in Iron in Iron Man. It's like, oh hey, yeah, like there's you know this is it's a pretty badass uh, stinger. That's all I'm gonna say. It's I, pretty I, good. Stingers in general are pretty bad, but like this one was not. Bad. Except now yeah, it's it like a, a cool. potential villain coming in. Like she's not gonna be yeah. happy with these characters, <laughs> so uh, she's probably pretty mad. Yeah, yeah. I like how this guy has a hundred years of purgatory. Uh, you know, can't talk to anybody. And six months in, he's already a wreck drunk. It's like, well, pace yourself, buddy. Anyway, um, so my my criticisms with the movie are the things that are a little uh, little convenient. Like Chiwetel sets them up at the beginning, you know, and hires his team to... The entire point is to find out if they're immortal. So the team yeah. shoots all of them and then all turn around and start doing something else. <laughs> yeah, they're like, Listen, good they job, they guys. Nice job. Nice job. They, yeah. they emptied their guns. Well why would they stick around? Like, you know. Uh, I be, guess. To, be fair, to just, be fair, Jeff, you know, it's very possible Chiwetel <laughs> didn't brief them and say, like, hey, uh, these guys might be immortal. You know, like, he maybe he was using them as cannon fodder. So no, I, right. they were like, they were definitely cannon fodder. Like, they didn't care I'm just saying, one, yeah. if one dude doesn't turn around, you know, <laughs> that's a better, it just, it's just, that's just, that's just best practices. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. My other, uh, my other criticism, and, and I understand why movies do this. But it, it just sticks out to me as a th- sore thumb. Literally, we have the speech about how some immortals eventually start their wounds, stop healing. And then yes. the next scene is her wounds stop healing. <laughs> like, it's, it's just a yeah. little bit. It's just like, it's oh, pretty, okay. You know, she's been alive for thousands of years. But the moment <laughs> they talk about it is the moment it happens. You know, I don't know. She didn't knock yeah. on wood, you know. <laughs> didn't knock on one. That's, like, whoops. That's true. I hope we get a sequel to this, by the way, because we learned, what was it, yesterday? Atomic Blonde 2 is in the works at Netflix, yeah. and I'm very yeah. excited about that. Oh, maybe yeah. it'll even have a plot that's comprehensible this time. Um, <laughs> Who cares? Anyway. You've got good action sequences. <laughs> I mean, yeah, d- disagree. Yeah. One thing I want to mention here, by the way, um, Extraction, clearly, clearly a prequel to the old card. He is oh. an immortal. He is an immortal. <gasps> That's why it goes to the bottom of the water and yeah. opens his yeah. eyes because he's looking for the chick in the Iron Maiden. <laughs> he shows up at the end. Uh, spoilers. Uh, but he, he potentially shows up at the end. He's, he's yeah. 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 Oh, dude, wouldn't that be rad? It's the, it's the Netflix cinematic universe. 
<laughs> just keep the right. people from six underground away please like i don't need them <laughs> i i think you can probably tell by our conversation that despite all my challenges with it it's it's still worth watching you know and um i believe movie. it is the yeah it's 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 interesting and i think it is the first big budget action movie ever directed by a black woman is yes and so it's yeah, notable really? for oh. that reason alone yeah i know it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy um, there's a lot so, of crazy milestones we need to hit yeah Yep. So ch- uh, check it out. And uh, the movie is The Old Guard. It's on Netflix. That is our conversation and review about it. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up, gents. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week on the podcast. Until then, Jeff Canato, where can I find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I do a video game podcast called DLC, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC or wherever you get podcasts. And I do a, uh, a comedy science show where we talk about science and tell jokes. Well, not jokes, but you laugh. I predict you'll laugh. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. I also do the... Dungeon Run, which is my chance to tell big, sprawling fantasy stories. I'm very, very proud of it. Uh, let me let me just read this this little message that was sent to me. I, I just want to share folks uh, what, what folks are saying about the Dungeon Run. Uh, someone in our Discord wrote, uh, I feel like I need to say this. I've been with this community since episode 16, and I haven't found any other kind of media that has given me this amount of joy and happiness. I'm thankful I discovered this show and to be welcomed into such a wonderful community. Give it a shot. Try the Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for the Dungeon Run. You can find it as an audio podcast by searching for the Dungeon Run. Or you can watch live when we record Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the Dungeon Run. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra, and I write about tech at Engadget.com. Check me out on the Engadget podcast, too. We just restarted that. Uh, all right. So, uh, Jeff, since you're uh, reading reviews, l- let me read this review that I got for one of my <laughs> other podcasts, Culturally Relevant, uh, which is was written by a listener named uh, Nam. Uh, and he writes in with the subject line, help support this overworked man. I am writing a review because David Chen has guilted me into writing this because I consume his content on YouTube, Instagram, Slash Film, and other podcasts for free. And he said the very least I can do is support him. This is the least I can do to support him. Uh, I'm here to write about how the culturally relevant podcasts have great, thoughtful, well-prepared interviews and monologues from this overworked man who is a husband, corporate minion, and content creator. How does he do it without his body and mind breaking down and alienating his friends? Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he is alienated in his basement with all his DVDs and his hordes. Uh, that he hoards, I should say. I would like to know. Be well, David Chen, and bless you. I believe in you, and I'm proud of you and your accomplishments. So, uh, pretty incisive. Yeah, incisive review there. It's it's a it's a little bit less uh, positive than the one you read, Jeff. You know, <laughs> a little bit. It does sound, a, sound a little bit like your wife wrote that. I just uh, want to point that out. I don't know about that. Anyway, <laughs> culturally relevant. Culturally relevant is the name of the podcast. Check it out at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Okay, uh, next week we're going to be reviewing Palm Springs, which is available right now on Hulu. Jeff, you have not seen this, right? You have no idea. No, what I watched about. it last night. Oh, you watched it last but night. But again, okay. oh cool. hey. Public service announcement. <laughs> I I guarantee you that your experience of watching this movie would be will be better if you don't have any idea what it's about. 
Guarantee. That's, wow. Th- that's what happened to me. And I'm telling you, I know it's hard now. Everybody's talking about this movie, but if there's any way for you to just watch it without knowing anything about it, oh boy, oh boy. Because about 15 minutes in, you'll be like, what? I, I, I think you'll enjoy it. All right. That's Palm Springs. It's our review for next week. Thanks for listening. Until, until we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. See you later, folks. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the slash film cast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about.